Hey, everyone. Welcome to Comedy Film Nerds, episode 395. Oh, I just got an alert. I can't believe how close we are to 400. It's crazy. We're five weeks away. Yeah. We really should be going to Australia to watch <laughs> the Star Wars movie, uh, The Last Jedi. So, guys, we're going to put it back out there. You did it to us two years ago. If anyone wants to fly us. It's not too late for us to get airfare. Yeah. We did it last minute last year. <laughs> we did, actually. Yeah, as soon as the money came in, you were on. The we computer. did it. So, I if we want, if you guys want to send us to Australia to watch uh, the Last Jedi and do our 400th episode, and see that movie 36 hours before anyone else on the planet can, we'll we say yes. Up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, any uh any pertinent announcements at the top of the show? Uh, let's see. Pertinent announcements. Uh, it's never too early to start doing your Christmas shopping. Yeah. At uh, comedyfilmnerds.com. Go to our store. And uh, we want to reiterate, too, that Earbuds is now back available for mm -hmm. download and for the signed. Mm -hmm. There's uh, signed DVDs with a lot of bonus features. It's over an hour of bonus features on the DVD. And you can also, of course, buy it on iTunes and the Amazon. Yes, but you can't get the bonus features no. there. No, you can only can't. get the bonus features on CFN via download or on the DVD. We're the only people that have a DVD right now. So uh, if you still just have a DVD player, we're just still ha hanging on to that old technology. Is that what? Pretty much. <laughs> that's what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, it, we, it should sound like we that. We have some VHS <laughs> tapes we want you guys to buy. We have uh, reel to reel. It's really yep, fun. We'll sign those too. <laughs> All right. In every frame. Let's uh, <laughs> let's introduce our guest. Okay, let's do it. Uh, first time on the show. Uh, How'd you guys meet? How did uh, Esther Koo, ladies and gentlemen? Hello. How did we meet? Instagram or something. Yeah, and then you were at the festival. You were you were coming. Yes. You, were you in the festival, or you were just? I was a spectator. You were a spectator. Mm -hmm. You came by the festival, and the ATC Comedy Comedy Festival. No. No. Podfest, the ah. Los Angeles Podcast Festival. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you came by that, and I think I said, "Oh, I'd love to have you on our show." Right? Yes. That's how it went down. Yep. Sweet. And you have a podcast. It's called Coup and the Gang, and I learned some helpful tips at your LA Podcast Festival. At podcast you pros. didn't pay me to say anything about it. <laughs> what did you learn? What helpful we, tips we, did we you had learn? Some oh, great I panels. forgot them already, but I'm That's sure I implemented them at the time on my Libsyn account. <laughs> <laughs> What's your show? How long have you been doing? Coup it's in the called Coup in the Gang. Uh, I've been doing it for almost two years now, and it's a comedy podcast where I talk about poo, and then we, you know. Yeah, talk about other things, branch out from there. That's mm -hmm. good. That's a good starting. But that's place. your base. But it's like that's it's your like foundation. The root, you know. <laughs> but then it also opens people up when they're forced to talk about it, mm -hmm. and it, it also shuts people down. So it's interesting to get a vibe for like who is really uptight about that subject and who really flourishes. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good, good icebreaker. That's a good, really good <laughs> icebreaker. It's <laughs> yeah. a good just barometer. You're just going to see mm -hmm. this person's either going to talk very openly about this or they're, like you say, they're just going to shut down. So and, when they do shut down, what, how do you, <laughs> what do you do? You just, then you go on for an hour I after fun that. Of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I get serious too. It's not all, you know, fun talk. You, like what's kind of serious stuff have you, got, have you covered? Like I talk about therapy mm. and, um, mm. you know, dysfunctional families. And stuff like that. That stuff, very normal stuff to comedians. Right. But right. to real people is like horrifying. Because we're all either in therapy or should be in therapy. 
Yeah. And we all came from dysfunction. Or thinking about becoming therapists. <laughs> Comedy's not working. Maybe it's time to get a therapy degree. <laughs> which a comedian would make the worst therapist. The worst therapist ever. So don't even try. Like people tell me they want to do that. I'm like, no. That's a horrible idea. Awful. Don't be a therapist if you're a comedian. No, there's better choices. You can't interact with regular society if you're a comedian. You just need to accept that about yourself. And move on. And move on. And mm -hmm. find some weird corner of the world that you can function in. Like a circus. Like a circus or this yes. or whatever. Find a potted plant to jerk off to. Exactly. Yes. Not that. in your therapist office. Yeah, don't do that in your therapist's office. Yeah, have some dignity. <laughs> <laughs> have some integrity, people. I know. Let's just do that in an office like an animal and no. do it in front of your plants. Yeah, exactly. All right. No way to transition out of that. Uh, that isn't awkward, but let's talk about our first film. Let's do it. Let's talk about Murder on the Orient Express. This is a movie that I was pretty sure I wasn't going to see. and then, I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> when you said, I saw this, so my first question, you saw it with the kids? Uh, no, it, it was uh, with my wife. So, it was, so was it, it was date night, and it was the kind of movie where uh, she wanted to see it. Okay. That's and Murder on the Orient Express, that's what I call it when I have a one-night stand with a guy in my period. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's the title of Esther's new album. Yeah. So it's going to be fantastic. So you're, so Audrey really wanted to. She did. She did. And I will say this. Normally, um, it, it wasn't a huge um, amount of choices for movies this weekend. Right. Like, And it was also the kind of thing where like, normally we could find something better to see, but this know, was one of those. Ever since they took off I Love You, Daddy, got yeah. taken away from the theater. <laughs> what are you going to do? There's nothing to see. Yeah, geez. So what are you, yeah, you going to do? So how did uh, Kenneth Branagh, like, he directed this. He directed it, and he uh, played the lead. Um, and he, I, I like when a character mumbles their own name uh, when they're introduced. I'm Hercule I'm sorry, what did you say? Hercule and it was, it's... <laughs> so it's a so, hat, a weird mustache, and mumbling? Uh, uh, it's a mumbling and also mm -hmm. the um, worst foreign detective accent since Inspector Clouseau. It's <laughs> so, <laughs> like Hercule Poirot. Uh, that so, movie looked like what Clue would look like if it got made into a movie. It, it pretty much, you know, it was the kind of movie that... Uh, on paper, it must have been a great idea. A it was. 90s. Oh, I never saw it. Yeah. yeah and it had multiple endings. Yeah, and some people still to this day think it's amazing. Oh, really? Mm. Mm, depends what ending you see. Yeah. yeah. I have some people mm -hmm. like, oh, you got to watch this. And then you mm -hmm. watch it and you go, all right. Yeah. And we're going to get to Why don't we just play the game? It's good. I'll fight you. Yeah. <laughs> see, there's these movies. Uh, there's two movies, Clue and Hook, that's people of yeah, a Hook's certain no. age. No. People are wrong about Hook. Yeah. For sure, it's not a good movie. No, no, not even close. And, but people, uh, there, there's people just. I think you, if you saw Clue at a at a certain age when you were a kid or preteen or something, mm -hmm. then it stayed with you and you can't get past. What the about Clueless? Clueless, that's a good movie. It's a classic. I like that. <laughs> but Clue, I just. What do you? Why do you think? I just rewatched it to be sure, and it's still good. It's still funny. Yeah, it's got some funny stuff. I I, yeah. I had I had someone. All movies make better me watch than it, and I liked it, but I was kind of making fun of it, and I think they got mad, like, "Well, you don't like this," and then, yeah, that, you know. that'll happen. That was the response. You don't like this. You don't like <laughs> this. No, fine. We don't have to watch it. I was like, "No, I'm just because I was kind of mocking it." Mm -hmm. um, so you didn't like it? Not really. No, yeah. but I mean, I like <laughs> I liked mocking it. 
so uh, Murder on the Orient Express uh, is a movie that um, you would also have enjoyed mocking. So (laughs) it's the kind of movie that, like, on paper, it must have been, like, such a good idea. It's a classic murder mystery. It's a classic story. That's how these movies all get made. It's full of celebrities. On paper, they look great. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. Wouldn't wouldn't you want to see this? And it's also, no, we'll, we'll update it with new effects and, you know, great cinematography. We'll shoot it on 70 millimeter and all these all the these like elements costume design great costume design we'll get Kenneth Branagh to, to direct it give it some gravitas and uh, uh, also to have him do the the lead so you know on paper it must have been this is going to be great I'll tell you in execution this movie was so flat and boring at, that you know neither my wife or I liked it even she was like you know I kind of wanted to see this movie but boy it was it's kind of dull and flat and boring a- and it's the it's not the fault of the source material. It's classic source material. It's like one of Agatha, Agatha Christie's, Christie's yeah. uh, most famous stories. And also, as you're watching the film and it gets into depth of like the actual murder and the background of it, um, you could see, oh, the sor- it's funny how you can actually see while watching the movie, you go to yourself, well, the source material clearly is much better than what I'm being presented. <laughs> so, uh, And also, you got Johnny Depp doing this like gangster... <sighs> accent from like the 50s and all all these weird character choices from people the other thing that i found fascinating is that uh you know this was a a very famous real train the orient express it went from uh paris to girgu romania so it was clearly a rather large train that would Mm -hmm. hold a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh this train apparently ran out of celebrities so there was not many people on the train (laughs) Uh, you know, everyone's a suspect, but everyone also was like a celebrity. So you think, so well, just where's... tell us who who yeah, killed where them? Where was that? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't plan on watching it. Where was, and was I don't like... think anybody listening to <laughs> it. Oh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, uh, it was also like I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, where are the rest of the passengers? <laughs> like this is this is a, an awful lot of train for six people, you know, being played by celebrities. Um, and uh, you know there were more staff than there were like actual it when passengers. They cast celebrities in these big movies either because it just takes you out of the story. You're like, there's Johnny Depp. Right. It, it really does. It and really does. And I feel does. like I'm just watching. It's one of those. It feels like one of those Hollywood movies where a bunch of rich people said, "Let's shoot. Let's go to this exotic part of the world and get paid, and we'll just pay, get paid to do dress up." And like they don't give a shit. Like they just. I'm sure they had. But they had like. They look at it like a paid vacation. Yes. Yeah, they all hung yeah. out and had dinner together and went skiing yeah. or whatever the thing was. And then they put this. They just slapped this dumb thing and, together. And I'll tell you, it's not like anyone did a horrible job. Everyone just did a media. Everything was mediocre in this movie. Like everything from the acting to the writing to the cinematography to even, even the font to the they directing, picked. Even the font, the mediocre. Uh, now <laughs> the you know, posters bad. Pick it apart. They, they tried to make it like more epic and sweeping with like you know computer. Uh, shots of the train and going through the mountains and the snow and some of that was really um, beautiful to watch but at the at the end of the day that's not what's going to drive Maybe the movie. Maybe it's made for kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, kids would be bored out of their minds in this movie. Well, the thing about this is so it's like the original one that came out in 1974 was directed by Sidney Lumet. You know, like it's a fantastic right. movie. Albert Finney's in it. Lauren Bacall and Ingrid Bergman. Right, and then this is just like Josh Gad and a bunch, as Jackie Cation would call it, a pile of haircuts. Yes, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, oh. uh, and uh, although Daisy Ridley from uh, Last Jedi was in it, and um, so I, I, 
you know, I, there was one interesting piece of trivia. In real life, there was one actual murder on the Orient Express. Uh, Maria Farcassino. Besides all the was... Chinese guys that they ran over <laughs> while they were building <laughs> the <laughs> They don't count. Yeah. They're not rich white people. Yeah, was robbed they and murdered by Carl then. Strasser. <laughs> <laughs> who pushed her out of the moving train one year after Agatha Christie's book was published. So uh, this, this, this is the kind of movie that, uh, like I said, it was, and, and it's always, you know, we got it at, at the end. They're like, you know, trying to set up the next mystery where we'll see Kenneth Branagh return as this character. But even the character, like the way it's presented on film, it really came off as like a um, an accented Sherlock Holmes with a crazy mustache. <laughs> so, so th- like they didn't do enough to distinguish this character the way the character is meant to be portrayed. Like, like you know, it, there's a lot more depth obviously in the books, and uh, uh, not a lot of that showed up in the film. <laughs> So, uh, but, you know, that was also one of the jokes was the, the mustache. Like, he, he even slept with, like, a mustache holder. So when he wakes up, and like, oh, I get it. You know, he has a mustache holder uh, for his, uh, <laughs> his mustache. Just, yeah. But, and, and it was such a weird accent. Like, is it French or what? So, but apparently the, de- the detective is Belgian. Uh, but uh, there's no way you would listen to him talk and go, oh, that's clearly a Belgian accent. So it was definitely um, a miss. But it's it was made th- for dumb Americans who can't tell accents apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh, he's a foreigner. Hello, I'm a foreigner. <laughs> I'm from Mulbania. Mo- yes. That's not a real country. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Top of the morning yeah. to you. <laughs> Just, uh, I, I have an accent from <laughs> another country. <laughs> so, you know, but Dame Judi Dench, I mean, there there's so many people in this movie, um, but not a lot of passengers on the train. <laughs> so it's all these. They didn't have extras. So that's that's what was weird. Like I would expect, like you know, it should be you know, because they they even set up at the beginning. Oh, the train is full. You know, we can't. You know, we don't have a seat for you, Hercule Poirot. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, uh, but then when you get on the train, I'm like, well, it's just like it's about eight celebrities, and that's it. Then you know, <laughs> this we won't even fill up the dining car. Uh, so even when they showed the train, I'm like, it looked like, oh, this this is kind of a short small train without a lot of cars on it. They spent money all on uh, the costumes. Yeah, yeah. So they had a mustache wrangler. So I, to... I, yeah, yeah, really. Uh, that seemed like where the money went. <laughs> Into the mustaches. <laughs> what was the blind item on the mustache? Budget? They used real hair for the mustaches instead of horse. We're going all out. Wow. <laughs> They're just really going to make it amazing. So th- yeah, this movie is definitely uh, a miss. I, you know, it's one of those movies that even if you're stuck on an 18-hour flight, you might find something better to. Watch. Wow! Yeah. So this okay, was a murderer a female or a male? Just tell us. So that. I will not spoil it. I okay, blink your right eye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a female. <laughs> okay, all right, we got it. So, uh, so it it it's one of those movies that uh, you know, all right, on cable for free, even on a plane, you know, maybe you know you could check it out, but it was it was definitely like one of those Hollywood big Hollywood misfires, you know. Right. If you're uh, it, it having was, trouble falling asleep tonight, yes. you suffer from insomnia, <laughs> put on Murder on the Orient it, Express. You could tell like what they really wanted to do. They wanted to make an old school sure. Hollywood, yeah. you know, big budget, epic kind of um fifty five million dollar budget, by the way. History. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the only all reason on the to train. watch this is to see how Michelle Pfeiffer is aging. Which is pretty well, I will say this. In fact, she uh sings Never Forget over the closing credits of the film. The song was co written by composer 
Patrick Doyle and director star Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bunch of rich Hollywooders got together and made a movie that no one. They had fun making it. And they all I'm got sure paid they well, did. And yeah, we. Then you and not your many wife, people saw you it. You and your wife then had to suffer through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we're like, and we're we're kind of bored. So, uh, All right. so there, Murder on the Orient Express. So there, mm-hmm. so there. Yeah. Well, also, another reason why Hollywood makes these like movies that happened like 100 years ago is so that they could keep employing white people. Yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> it's just like, like oh. Well, we didn't have black people who rode trains back then, so yeah. we had to cast all white people again. Keep more whites. <laughs> that's every, that we there's a trailer we watched. That's to be fair, one black person. Passenger, also oh, a suspect. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, mm. it was a black guy, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Token? What was his name? <laughs> Jamal Token. J- Jamal Token? <laughs> uh, all right. So let's talk about, now, Esther, you saw The Secret Life of Lance, Secret Life of Lance Lester. Lester. Yes, I did. How was that film? I don't know much about this movie. Um, no spoilers, by the way, on the show. So. I didn't watch... Um, well, I didn't know much about it either. I watched all the trailers for the movies that you guys had assigned, and um, I watched that one and because I like documentaries. Okay. And it seemed interesting, and I like art, and art was fun, a fun class to take in school. So um, he's an artist, and he's just this crazy guy who just has the patience of no one you would ever believe. He cuts and pastes. Like, all of his projects are cut-and-paste projects. But really? he like he uses an exacto knife and l- just cuts like the details of a toothbrush of a flower. He collects these like old books and magazines and he'll make a huge collage of the mess that's in his head. And they're humongous and they're incredibly detailed. And he was broke for a long time. Oh, wow. Until this um, gallery owner picked his work up in New York and then he got his big break. And then he's showcasing all over the world. And people are buying his stuff for all this money, and he's like a big fan in the art world or whatever. Yeah, and and he he goes from nothing to, you know, just this crazy guy. Like, <laughs> you know how artists are. Yeah. So he's They're permitted just, to be really nuts. Yeah, so he's just like, I mean, it is extremely. Nuts when you're poor, nuts when you're rich. Yeah, I know. When yeah. you're, when, when I know, I know. If he was just a guy that was a janitor that was this much of, they'd be like, "Well, this guy's an asshole or he's nuts." Mm-hmm. But oh, he's an he's eccentric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he like has so much patience. Like that. That's what the most impressing thing, impressive thing for mm-hmm. me was watching it to see like him just sitting there, and like the guy who was like filming it. With the camera was probably like, oh god, this is taking forever. <laughs> 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 like now he's tracing the flower petal, and it it, it it is impressive, but it is extremely tedious work. Right, that he does. And mm-hmm. so, well, the, the, I'm I'm curious. So this director, um, uh, Sandra Adar Adair, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, but she this is her first ever. Uh, directorial film like film but she has been an editor like look obviously she's made her living as an editor she's edited a million like a million movies before midnight before sunset i mean um she's been an editor for a long time and uh on a lot of big big films but then this is her first doc so as now do you she was a co-producer on boyhood uh, a, co- a producer on Shepherd and Dark, which is another documentary, and then Inning by Inning, a portrait of a coach. Oh, uh, Boyhood, that was that documentary about how white people age poorly, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Um, uh, that was, yeah, 
that was a Linkletter movie. But so let me ask you this: like, do you first of all do you watch a lot of documentaries? I do. So then, how do you? Like I watched, you know that documentary. Um, Earbuds. It reminded me of that movie. <laughs> what was it called? Um, about that artist, exit through the gift shop. Gift, gift shop. shop. Yeah, about Banksy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and like when I watched that movie, I I made my own stencil of my logo, and I like spray painted it on the sidewalk. You know, because it, it just for oh, me, it I, inspired I'm just a, you. Yeah, it did, and I'm just a really tactical to deface person. public property. <laughs> <laughs> you just you've just committed a crime. Actually. You've admitted to a crime. I know. I was bummed out when because I put like funnycoo.com on the graffiti, and like, and then the next day I drove by and somebody had already painted over it. Yeah. Oh man. I know. I was like, that was my homage to that documentary. And you just mm-hmm. killed my my. You killed my dreams, man. Like marketing. <laughs> so um. So it was it was inspiring because you see somebody work really really hard and just put their faith and and at one point he was like his wife said uh, you know he was ready to give up and he almost went to medical school and he was like I think I should go to medical school and like you cannot see this guy as a doctor maybe <laughs> maybe maybe like he could be a surgeon because right. his exacto knife cutting skills were amazing so he could like do like really small maybe he could be a baby surgeon. Or something, you know, like Baby something surgeon. really detailed. Mm-hmm. But you're just like that guy's not a doctor. Like, why would you think the first thing to do if you're a broke artist is go go to medical school? I think it's so funny. Well, that's a, that's a funny is like people that are artists or whatever. That would be a weird first choice. But no, but I think all of us have had the weirdest fallback. Like I was like, well, I remember when I first moved here. You know, I'd been a stand-up comic for a while in college, and then in Chicago, and then I moved here, and it was, you know, it was a struggle the first couple of years. And I remember thinking, maybe I'll just join the fire department. I don't know why firefighter, mm-hmm. like comedian or firefighter, those are the. But we- that's an appealing job. You get to work out all day long, and you know, you work one day a year when there's a fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just a one day a year. Mm-hmm. L.A. never has well, maybe, problems. Maybe yeah. not California. <laughs> in other parts of the country. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, Seattle. Seattle, right? There's no no one else has fires. Um, yeah, it's but raining well, all the time. Well, let know. me ask you. <laughs> you. So you think fires can can exist where there's always a drizzle? Exactly. All so, right. <laughs> there's yeah. There's one guy at the Seattle Fire Department. Because <laughs> it's just like it'll start raining. Yeah, it's it'll like come on. Yeah, what do we got to worry about? <laughs> because all fires are just like what sticks and paper, Chris. Is yeah, that exactly? <laughs> is that okay. All right. I'm just trying to get yeah. the science behind your. Where this so uh, I, I'll tell you, it's um, it, I can see you being a firefighter because it's like the kind of thing where it appeals to what you like. It's uh, I could see it's you're active, you're outdoorsy. <laughs> It's like I feel I like could a, see the appeal. Yeah, I feel like a. Sl- I was really like, oh, here comes a slam. If you're yeah, like yeah. a slam, you're a weirdo, Graham. You can't. Uh, no, but I could, well, like that's not the weirdest thing I think right. that could have come out of your mouth. Like as I, far as like a fallback thing for you. I, well, this is an even weirder one. This wasn't a fallback necessarily. So when I was in uh, college, my first semester, I was an economics major, mm. and it was like, why was I an economics major? Um, because Alex P. Keaton. Michael J. Fox's character on Family Ties, that was his major. So I picked a major oh, based on a fictional My TV roommate character. in college watched Clueless. Wait, no. No, that movie with uh, Reese Witherspoon, Legally Blonde. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was blonde, and so she decided to go to law school and become a lawyer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and now she hates her life. <laughs> oh, no. 
How could that happen? You never know what inspires Boy, people. Boy, legally blonde? <laughs> that wasn't a real a, a depiction of being a lawyer? That's, I can't believe that. Um, but this is the question I want. Sometimes to... movies lie. <laughs> oh, Chris. <laughs> don't tell me that. Uh, you saw Backdraft? <laughs> Backdraft is not a good firefighter yeah. movie. It's not a good... <laughs> And then after 9-11, I thought about, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to the fire be department. first responder. No, I was going to be, I was going to join the fire department after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people. I but, could see mm-hmm. you being a firefighter. I'd like it. Yeah, like you're in shape and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It'd be cool. Yep. But I, then I became a, I did become like a Red Cross volunteer and I took a lot of disaster training courses. So I got to see sort of the taste of it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of neat. But then I was like, you know what? I could handle the danger and putting my life on the line. I just. You didn't want to slide down a pole. <laughs> No, I do that on the weekends for money. But I, I he means a Polish person. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I, they're like you're gonna find dead bodies. Right. Like I talked to firefighters, and, and that that was the one thing I was like, oh wow. And one guy said he didn't go. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. He goes, yeah, it was gnarly. One time I found someone that looked like my my grandmother. It was really hard, and I was just like, oh my god. Okay. That's a, yeah. That's a tough. Yeah, everyone thinks it's just you're in parades and, and girls everybody like Everybody knows male comedians are all pussies, so yeah, you would totally never be a good firefighter. No. <laughs> Save all. that. Leave that to the real men. Yeah, we're all know? pussies. Yeah. Um, but what did you think about this woman? Like, what did you think about this as a documentary since you watch a lot of? Um, I liked it. I found it inspiring. And um, like the whole like seeing him make it, it feels you feel good for him because he had a tough childhood and um you know and even adulthood so mm-hmm. so you, it's almost therapy for him to constantly be cutting and pasting and gluing all this stuff um so you feel you feel like you feel for him and then like so but but does it do that thing of like w- what a good documentary does like you don't need to know or care about the art world or whatever right like it's just engaging right. to learn about this yeah, guy yeah no you, it it's almost for a layman's you know point of view like I took an art history class and it reminded me of like learning how to look at works of art and seeing like, you know, trying to interpret it. And it kind of brought me back to that era in my life. And it, it was cool to, to watch that. And then there is um, there is a plot twist where he usually works with paper. But then in the middle of the movie, he starts working with metal and he's looking for a glue that he could glue on metal pieces together. And that's what happens in the second half of the movie. It's like, where's he gonna get this metal glue from? <laughs> wow, Spo- that's the dilemma. That the, is the, the big clock. Uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> like red wire, blue wire. Yeah. Which one does he pick? Which glue does he and, go for? And he puts it off for like the longest time. And his wife is like, I don't know. You keep cutting all this metal. I don't know how you're gonna put it all together. You've been working with paper for 20 years. Well, now. And then. Finally, I'm not going to give it away, just like you didn't give away <laughs> who killed um, who made that murder. But um, but he finally figures out a way to make all the metal come together. And it's not glue. <sighs> this See, now I have to see now this I'm movie. Intrigued. Just for the metal, <laughs> the metal adhesive yeah. mystery. Yep. Yeah, the metal glue conspiracy. I mean, like, <laughs> if you had a bunch of pieces of metal, how how would you? I don't know. Combine I combine it together without using glue. Well, thanks. Now I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight, Esther. Mm-hmm. And how I'm going to put my metal pieces together without right. the right adhesive? Do you have any idea? See, you're not a real man. Yeah, only a real man knows how to put metal glue stuff together. String. Way to go. It's you not string. It's not it together. It's not you string. Just in a bundle. Yeah. <laughs> you just bundle just them up, up, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, make it punch a couple holes. Make it like. Uh, Only real men know how to use metal. (laughs) I don't know why we have toxic masculinity when statements like that are made. That's weird. Um, 
So let's, uh, what else? What happened to Monday? What's this movie? Yes, we saw, uh, I saw What Happened to Monday. This is a uh, movie that is on streaming right now on Netflix. Now, it's amazing how Willem Dafoe has now had a resurgence of being in mediocre films. Like, <laughs> I, I so don't you know think what this is happened. a late career choice? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what's going on with him. But like, he was, he was, he was in Death Note that was also on Netflix. He was in Murder on the Orient Express, and he was in this movie. Oh. Uh, this movie, um, Nomi Rapace is in this. Glenn Close, yes, Nomi Rapace and uh, Willem Dafoe, Rapace, who is a shithead. Rapace. Rapace. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I don't know how to pronounce it. Aaron, how do you pronounce Numi Rapace? Rape easy. Rapace. No idea. No, no idea. idea. Nice. Thank you. There were a ton. There were a ton of posters for this. It's called something else in Paris. It's, yeah, because uh, it's kids sisters. jumping seven over. Sisters. You see, seven about... sisters. Yeah, okay. she actually plays all seven sisters. So wow. I will give her credit. Really? For She's that. a fine actress. She's a great actress, and that is the one thing that's worth. Uh, watching the film for just to watch her How performance. How much different as does seven. she look as playing each well, sister? Well, that's just it. It was like it was one of those things where it was so forced. It was like each one has to look different with like a different hairstyle, and each one has a different name of the week. That's how you. Um, there's seven sisters. They're each named for a day of the week. Um, so one's a ponytail, long wavy hair, red hair, mid length like hair, Wednesday, short hair, Tuesday. knit hat. Yep, Saturday, and then platinum blonde. So the premise of the film is that we get overpopulated. It's a sci-fi premise. And what happens is siblings become illegal. You could only have one child. So, so it's a documentary on China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is a documentary on this is the, uh, the, the single child policy of China that they've just sort of revert or they've opened well, up, actually. Th- this is a... Uh, so, so this is like, uh, oh, you know, there's no resources. We have to cut... You can't... It's, it would be illegal to have a, uh, a sibling. So, By the way, when I the first time I went to China, and we like would go out to dinner after the China. show, and I talk talk to the the Chinese comics or whatever, anyone there, and I I would just we just make a conversation where you're from, and I would always ask, oh, do you have any brothers and sisters? And everyone would kind of look at me like, what are you an idiot? Yeah, and I was like, oh <laughs> right, sorry. And they're like, no, we only had one. So well, they're hiding in the closet like in this movie. <laughs> okay, so, so they're all in the so closet. what they have, uh, you know, Willem Dafoe has seven kids. You know, the mother dies in childbirth. So what he does is he raises them all, and each one goes out on their day of the week. So it looks like it's one person, but it's actually oh, seven. Oh, so, I see. So that's the premise of the film. And so it, it, let me throw a wrench in that. <laughs> Shouldn't they all look the same then? Well, that's just it. They <laughs> all get dressed in the morning to all look the same. Like oh, some okay. of them wear wigs, okay. and and if one of them has a blemish, then they they put the blemish on. But it's so good. Somebody thought of this contingency. They somebody oh, did cool. think of the contingency. Somebody so they, didn't think of um, the rest of the plotting or story. Oh, so they just movie. had a decent premise and then stopped. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much what it's happens. Like meet is the it, Dugars, but in movie format. So let's <laughs> <laughs> meet the Dugars. I don't know what that is. It's would... like that TLC show about the They had more kids. Oh. Yeah. And, and this 19 one. 19 and counting or whatever. Yeah. Oh, l- right. Like uh, like Willem Dafoe was only in it like a couple of scenes. Like uh, uh, he was, you could tell it was like, oh, he's, his name helped get this movie made. Uh, but it was also the kind of thing where you could tell it was such a limited budget as far as like a sci-fi movie goes. Like you have futuristic looking buildings, you have futuristic looking cars, but everyone's clothes kind of look uh, like like they do now. Oh. So, uh, so you know, the there's a... It's from H&M. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like So certain... in the future, everyone has to shop at Ross. Everything's right. a couple seasons too Pretty old. much, yeah. <laughs> okay. Everyone's still in sweaters and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, suits. So 
the movie <laughs> sweaters and suits yeah. that's what this movie should be called yeah, sweaters, sweaters and, and suits, suits. And, uh, and and occasionally like and then the other place they made everything look futuristic was like the guns the guns all had like computer readouts but um, it mm-hmm. wanted to be an action kind of sci-fi movie and it was also like but the action was so weird and lopsided because you have you know these highly trained special forces that of course are you know find out about the sisters and they go after them but they somehow managed to fend a fair amount of them off. So uh, without any military training whatsoever. Wow, so, I can't wait to uh, watch this movie. Yeah. This sounds fantastic. I'm going to so watch this back-to-back with Murder on the Orient Express. It, re- it really had that same feel of like, oh, this probably was a good idea that just got executed really improperly. Uh, now, one thing I will say is that Morton Tildum was attached as the director but chose the imitation game as his next project instead. Wow, now, good move. It was, it was an excellent move. However, had he directed this film, I have a feeling it would have been a thousand times better because he would, sure. have, he would have put a lot of that um, kind of humanity and also He'd be like, let's get wardrobe a budget, huh? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, like Glenn Close, re- you know, she, she really hams it up and, and it's, it's not a good film. Um, but it is free on streaming, so if you want to oh, check it out, that's why we're talking about it's it. It's actually yeah, doing yeah. so bad they're thinking about paying people to watch it. Yes, <laughs> they're gonna send you a credit <laughs> or like a gift card. So, Thanks for watching, but you have to watch it all yeah. the way through. So I guess Willem Dafoe is like, you know, uh, like when you the, take the, drivers, uh, tra- you know, when you get a driver school for a traffic ticket and they make you take it online, but they verify that you watched it all the way. That's right. What this movie. Would be. Yeah, it really feels like there's you have to fill out a card at the end. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'm glad to see Willem Dafoe working. Uh, Numi uh, Rapace does a fine job as seven siblings, but ultimately the movie, like Murder on the Orient Express, falls flat. And the other thing, too, it makes those carnal mistakes of like a science fiction movie where there's like a big twist reveal at the end, and then, but you don't care because you're not invested right. in the characters of the story or. You know the premise is, has gone nowhere by then. You're like, oh gosh, just they're just trying to throw everything at you and hope something will stick, and it doesn't. So it's it's kind of a mess. Yeah, this weekend I think this weekend was just for everyone to go maybe see Thor again or, yeah. <laughs> or see it for the first time because the three bill- billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I was excited to see this movie. Frances McDormand, yeah, I really like her. Um, so in the trailer, it did look good. That was my second choice movie to mm-hmm. watch. It's it's not it's. It's it's decent. It just is a little uneven. And she's great. Sam Rockwell's great. Um, Woody Harrelson's great. All this, there's really good supporting people. Love around. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he's great. And in the trailer, you see her just running around swearing at everybody because she's mad because her daughter was killed and they're not doing anything about it. So right. the first part of the movie. It's great. They introduce it quick. You know exactly what's going down, and she's amazing. It's just running around. Shut the fuck up. Like she's just. She's great at that. And um, and Sam Rockwell plays a great just kind of idiot cop. And the movie starts out and all the characters at first, I'm like, well, they're all a little two dimensional. But then they spend decent time, um, you know, showing everybody. And no one in the movie is perfect. Everyone, no one's everyone is deeply, deeply flawed. Which I was glad. I was glad to to show that because at first I was like, "Is this just? This seems really. It's getting really two dimensional." But then, but they introduced. There's this is a really heavy subject matter. Her daughter is was raped and burned, right? Oh my god! So 
But then they keep putting, there's all these like jokes in it. It just got really uneven. After a while, I was like, well, we don't need a joke here. They do like a really heavy scene and you're like, wow. You know, like I won't tell you exactly what happens, but there's a scene where she is remembering the last time she talked to her daughter, they have a bad fight. And she's just feeling what she says is really brutal. And she just is, you're like, oh, that's why, one of the reasons why she's so angry. She's really mad at herself, you know? But then like, they, this, the middle of the movie spends a lot of time on all this extra stuff. So they introduce this thing. How come no one's investigated my daughter? This happened seven months ago. What's the hell's going on? So you're sort of led into this like, oh, it's a little bit of a detective story. Like, yes, it's about her and how she deals with this and the town and also the overall political message of this is happening to young women all over the place. And a lot of these crimes are unsolved. What the hell's going on? Right. So that's all good, but then they go into a little too much, like almost this, these like tangential character things. That's like, why aren't I sort of? You're sort of already explaining who this person is. Why are we, like, I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I'm just like, let's fucking solve the crime. Are we gonna? Are we gonna solve the crime? Or are we gonna fuck around here? <laughs> like, so. And there were times when people were laughing in the theater, and my friend, we talked about it afterwards, and we were both sort of, like. Was it a script issue? Was it a director? Like it just, it's- Were they laughing at inappropriate times? Kind of. Or at the actual jokes in the- Well, they were laughing at the actual jokes, but people were laughing at, I guess they were just taking the joke at face value and laughing at the joke, but I I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with putting in jokes in a tragic story. It Mm -hmm. almost helps tell your story because it's more watchable if there's funny moments in it. Like life is beautiful. Like mm-hmm. he got slammed for making light of you know the concentration camps, but it's a great movie, you know. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't know how inappropriate the jokes were. But I don't think that I, I think this was. And I'm not saying they were inappropriate. It just had a, a too strong of a tonal shift. Well, yeah, it was just too uneven because part right. of me was like, you're introducing and they're doing a. This is a heavy. You're introducing me to a heavy scene. You're releasing this movie during Oscar time. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm on board. You want me to start? Like, let's let's cry. Let's do this. Like, if that's what this movie is, and then, boop boop. You know, and it's just. But like, sometimes when you're crying, the best thing to happen is for somebody to make you laugh, to like get you out of that, you know, that funk. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a personal preference thing. Maybe you would have enjoyed these jokes coming in at this time and maybe just I didn't. And that's what I was trying to ask myself and my friend that I saw it with. I'm like, did, is it just a personal preference thing for me or was this movie not executed correctly? And I don't know that what I could. What did your friend think? I, Same thing with the yeah, tonal kind problems? Yeah, kind of agreed. Kind of agreed with the tonal problems, but but we both overall liked it. I think you were influenced by your friend. I think if you went by yourself, you'd be laughing your ass off. <laughs> no, I would. No, I don't think that's it at all. No, because there was there was plenty of moments where she laughed, and I and I was like, mm, not not for me. And the other the other people in the theater laughed, and I was like, well, I get the joke here. But isn't it about like a fictional murder? Like, if it was about, like, a real murder and people were making jokes, I'd be like, okay, that might be inappropriate, but it's, like, a fake story to begin with. So it's almost sure, but okay to make jokes. I guess. I don't know. I think I think it's – I'd love to have you see it and, and see what you think because if you – after you watch it, you still had that opinion, then, okay, fine, I guess I just – it maybe it just didn't work for I'm me. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Oh, yeah. But, like, that's – and, and – and you might be right, but I, I don't know. There was just there was just some times where I was like, huh. And then I'm like looking at my watch, and then it kind of got interesting again at the end, and 
Well, now, Woody Harrelson described the movie as Super Troopers meets Seven Psychopaths. So that's and a, I think that's, that's a, a problem. Weird mix. It's a weird mix because mm-hmm. it's like it was meant to be funny then. But then they, but the, here's the thing: they meant it to be funny, but then they also put in these really heavy things in there, and it just didn't fit. Like it either needed to be more jokey or more serious. Like I think they they didn't they didn't find the right balance. Is my what I thought. I just felt like. Because it's like I was laughing in the beginning when she's just going around just fucking cussing everybody out, and then it's like, all right, let's get into the reality of what is what this woman. Because yeah, she's a real character, right? Yeah, she's a real, and you felt, and her, her anger and her ball busting and her swearing at everybody and calling everybody cunt and all this stuff hmm. is funny, but you're also going, she's in a lot of pain. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so let's. I I was just, I'm sitting there in the beginning of the movie going, I'm I'm excited to kind of get underneath why she's like this. I'm assuming they're going to show me that because they're introducing, like if, if the filmmaker and the writer, whatever, they're going to introduce all of these things, then it's sort of, I feel it's on them to kind of, to stick with that if you're going right. to inter- introduce that. But I don't know. I, I get the feeling like people are going to have a very, like uh, people are going to disagree with me mm-hmm. on, on this. And some people- that, are, You saying that makes me want to watch the movie more. The, the fact that you said there's jokes in this tragic mm-hmm. story. Because sometimes when you're in a time of tragedy, what you need are jokes. Mm-hmm. Maybe it works. Maybe that, maybe some people really like that. And I'm curious to hear what anybody you know, who's listening. Something it's definitely so, getting mixed reviews. Something so mm-hmm. tragic as your daughter being raped and killed. It's like, how else can you deal with life? You know, like you're just, while you're watching the movie, you're probably vicariously living through her going, what would I do if that happened to a daughter that I had mm-hmm. and going around cussing everybody out and calling them cunts is probably the most therapeutic thing for her to do. But that's what I'm saying. That is great and makes sense, but there's other jokes and I don't want to reveal too much that are done in the movie that just seem out of place. They don't seem like the cathartic thing that you're talking about. Like I character driven. I, I agree with the cathartic thing. I agree with two people in this shared thing and then they, they find a joke in the middle of this tragedy. I feel like, like somebody would do like a bumbling you know, it's, it's hard to, I'm trying you to think. You also think it's wrong when people give funny eulogies? But again, that's within the context and the character of it. Yes, I would love a funny eulogy. But if in the middle of a of a, of a funeral, somebody's just like, wah, wah, like it, it, it didn't fit. It didn't, it didn't celebrate the person's life. Like it just seemed out of place at times. It didn't seem character driven. It seemed like, like they, someone a, doing time at a burial. Like a writer. Yeah, like, exactly. Like a writer put in a joke in this scene versus it organically coming out of how these characters would be interacting with each other within this context. That's the thing I had. It was just so like somebody went, oh, this scene's too heavy, joke it up. And I was like, that's why I felt like it, it, was, a, it was a script thing mm. because I didn't, it's like, to use the, the eulogy thing, that's a, that's a great example. So like I've been to some at the improv for some comics, right? And I've, and sometimes, co- Comics will tell a funny story about the person and it relates, but then I've seen some comics go, oh, I'm going to do time here because I'm on stage and they're missing the point of celebrating this person's <laughs> life. And really? That, oh, fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just, I, I, this didn't, when I went to Scott Kennedy's one, it was awesome. Everybody told really funny, amazing stories about Scott. It was such a great way to honor his life. But then I saw, remember, it was Franz. There was cut some comics. Uh, just, I remember oh, I was God. at that. And, we were, yeah. and I was just like, really? They were just like. Franz? Uh, 
huh? Fran. Fran, Bud's old assistant. Oh, mm-hmm. never um, mind. Yeah, and there were some comics there that didn't care, didn't have any personal connection to anything, didn't want to express that. They just saw as, oh, I'm getting time at the improv. Yeah, in front of all these uh, industry people. In front of these industry people. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, are you guys really horrible? Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know. I want to hear anyone out there listening to this that has seen this movie or will go out to see it. I'd love to hear what you have to say. So email us on Facebook or whatever because maybe maybe I... I think that's the movie people will gonna, are going to watch the most out of all the ones we talked about. Yeah, these other ones, I, they don't, I, would, I don't want to see any of the other... I mean, well, your documentary I want to see. That sounds interesting, the Esther that you saw. I want to see that, but... No. Train... Skip the, yeah, skip the ones. Train beards yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Skip train, Accents on the rails. Skip I don't. train, mustache, and Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically nothing with Willem Dafoe nothing. for a while. Nothing. Uh, so we have a sponsor uh, this no. week, HelloFresh. Um, HelloFresh is great. You can pick your delivery day. It's a meal delivery service, and they've got three different types. You could do classic, which is a variety of meat and fish, and uh, seasonal produce, veggie. And family, which is the one we do. We actually uh, we got our just delivery last night, and we did a. Um, it was really good. It was uh, Italian uh, hamburgers, so it was really it had like oh, really nice. cool seasoning and uh, mozzarella cheese and like uh, caramelized onions. They were really good. Even the kids really liked mm-hmm. them too. So um, it, it's a great benefit. It's cheap. It's um, uh, balanced dinners for less than ten dollars a meal, and there's also lots of like one pot recipes for speedy cooking and minimal cleanup. But why would we let you pay full price? That's crazy. Don't pay full price. No, no. What are you, a guy with a dumb accent on a train? Yeah, and with a crazy mustache? That's, he would pay full price. He would, because mm-hmm. he, he's an idiot. Because mm-hmm. his must, his, well, his if he has a bad fake accent, then <laughs> yes. he's gonna pay full price. Yeah, he's like, is this Hello Fresh? <laughs> he's calling them up? Yeah, they have uh, an 800 hello? number? Uh, hello Fresh? Oh, God. <laughs> No, I no. detect my delivery for you. What? Uh, he's a he's a delivery detective. <laughs> yes, Who is this character? Delivery detective. I don't yeah, get this character at all. Delivery today is uh, yeah, he's Hercule Poirot. <laughs> delivery detective. Delivery detective. All right. Delivery detective. This guy sounds like Inspector. an awful detective. Yes. <laughs> I'm just looking for some. Uh, my, one of my favorite lines. It was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, Can I get Would you the like dr- uh, the ketchup? Or yeah. the mustard <laughs> on your Italian hamburger. It, it, it like I want the, the dressing uh, on this side. I forgot the uh, the classic setup too to murder on the Orient Express. It's like, oh no, you should take the train and just for rest and relaxation, nothing ever happens on the train. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, and nothing will because yes. this movie's boring. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so tell me. So hello fresh. You get thirty dollars. Tell me off delivery your first detective. Week of, uh, you get thirty dollars off your first week of HelloFresh. Wow. Visit HelloFresh.com. Wow. I never thought I would think comedy my films were better. Thirty. So tell me what's the code again? It's thirty dollars for your first week of HelloFresh. You go to HelloFresh.com and enter comedy film nerds thirty. HelloFresh.com, Governor. <laughs> So uh, check it out. And, uh, you know, they won't deliver to trains. That's just the one place they won't deliver. That's so racist. I was about to sign up, too. (laughs) Damn it. I live on a train, you You guys. You do. That's right. Um, And then FrightfullyUnaform.com. Yes, they are our Patreon supporter. We have a podcast that watches classic horror movies to figure out horror movie fandom. FrightfullyUnaform.com. And you get that at the $50 level at the Patreon. 
You do. Come and uh, also, you know, holidays are coming up. If you've got a little extra money, why don't you uh, kick it to the Patreon? Uh, I don't see why not. Why not? So uh, Give your holiday bonus to us. Yes. Yeah, please. <laughs> or a portion of it. Yeah. A portion yeah, of portion it, at least. Of, yeah. it, or give it to the yeah. detective, that the delivery detective. Yeah, 5% of your salary. Well, now For we're like Hercule, a cult. Yeah, now we should yeah, take yeah. all of your salary. <laughs> we're going to change your names. For Hercule Perot. <laughs> and you all got to wear Hercule Perot yes. mustache? I, I grew up in a cult. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You Which should. one was it? I talk about that on my podcast a lot, actually. Really? It's like a, a Christian evangelical church. Wow. Yeah. I just did a video for my political- Any mustaches? Any like weird mustaches? No, everybody was clean shaven for the Lord. Mm. Crazy. I did a video- so no detectives. No, no detectives. <laughs> no detectives? <laughs> no you... firefighters, all yeah. nurses. Oh, man, all nurses and no- They forced de- everybody to go to nursing school. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm, for the apocalypse. Well, because it's a very like <laughs> compassionate job or like, you know, you're serving people. So it goes along with like the biblical mm-hmm. sense of like offering your life up to God. Wow. So not a teacher, just No, yes. no teachers. <laughs> Although everybody was a Bible teacher there. And oh, wow. so was I. Mm-hmm. You were a Bible teacher? I was a Bible teacher, yeah. That's why you know all this stuff about the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I did a video for Political Vigilante about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, they There's a lot of child sex abuse, and they've covered it up. And they... Not surprising. Not surprising at all. And I just found this article and just was like, oh, talked about it. And I was like, well, they, they, well they're the only religion that does that. So. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. other religions have ever <laughs> abused God. that at all. <laughs> they're all good. Um, but I, I, I posted this video and then got all of these people who were like, I was, I, it's a cult. I got out of there. I was sexually abused. I was, my brother was. Oh my was. God, that's awful. It's awful. It's awful. I had no idea. But it was is gnarly so when you i would he- think they w- they don't have time to abuse anybody with all the knocking on the doors they do yeah it's weird wearing all those suits always time for abuse <laughs> oh, wow chris <laughs> there's always time for abuse <laughs> always time for abuse <laughs> don't you guys sell that as a bumper sticker on that, is, that is that yeah. is go to, go to our patreon oh it's the 100 dollar prize <laughs> there's always time for oh, abuse awful Awful. See, if this joke was in the middle of the three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, it wouldn't be appropriate. I can't would... wait to laugh inappropriately at the theater by myself. It's going to be great. <laughs> so um, let's talk about some trailers. <laughs> the uh, the Greatest Showman. Now, this is interesting. This is a musical, and um, it's Hugh Jackman, who is also a song and dance man. He People lo- don't know. He's he an, loves to put on the soft shoe. Not just Wolverine. No. And, He's uh, a full person. The uh, I refuse it's, to it's, believe it. It's uh, it's definitely being promoted. Lester wouldn't as, think uh, he's a man because he yeah. just dances and he doesn't want to stick glue to metal. Like the the lyricist I'm sure he's from a homosexual. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the you know they're promoting is the lyricist from La La Land. So any any type of even, um, you know, tangential connection to La La Land is going to be promoted in any any musical from now on. So I, I was watching this uh, trailer and I thought you know. I'm not sure. I'm on the fence about it. I thought it kind of looked cool, but it also looked like it was trying a little too hard. Like mm-hmm. that kind of, like this could be kind of dopey, but it also could be good. I'm not sure. I was I was really mixed. This trailer, honestly, I would love to see a P.T. Barnum movie. Mm-hmm. I don't need all the fucking singing and dancing. Right? Like I don't. Why is it got to be a musical? I mean, mm-hmm. again, everybody listens to the show for any amount of time. Knows Greatest I'm, Showman. I'm not showman. a I'm not a big musical fan, but mm-hmm. I would love to see his story on how he did this and his family and how mm-hmm. and this. I love the part of the trailer that's like it's this collection of outcasts. Right. And you're welcome here, and everyone has a place. Like that's awesome. 
But then I got to have a song to tell me that? Of course. Oh, Chris. <laughs> well, how are you going to make money off your movie if you don't have a soundtrack to sell that's original? Oh, that's right. We should have made Earbuds a musical. Idiots. Yeah. We're so dumb. <laughs> We've got a podcast. <laughs> I did it's like the trailer because it ends on a really nice note. Like the dialogue they use at the end of the trailer is like, wow. It makes you go, cool. But then I also wonder if that's like, that might be the best piece of dialogue in the whole movie <laughs> right. that they used in the trailer, which happens a lot. At least a lot. the trailer editor found it. Well, do you do you like musicals in general, Esther? Um, I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but um, I would, yeah, I don't go out of my way to watch them. Right. So. See, that's what I'm saying. Like. But I would watch this movie based on the trailer. Really? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Just because you think it's an interesting enough story and you like the actors, or. Yeah, I, I like the trailer, and um, I think there could be more good stuff in it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe All right. I'm right. All right. Then the next trailer is The Post. Now, watching this trailer, you just, it, it's like it, it's Oscar bait in your face. It's like, oh my God, Tom Hanks, Meryl Oscar, Streep. Oscar baiting? Is that when yeah, you're jerking really, off? Yeah. yeah, to an Oscar In front movie. of an actress yeah. promising her an Oscar? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Into a potted plant. <laughs> So, I mean, At literally. the Mandarin Oriental yeah. <laughs> Express Holiday I mean, Inn. I mean, you have Tom Hanks, you have Meryl Streep, you have Steven Spielberg. It's like it's already on the ballot. It's an, it's yeah, not and I got to say, I'm sure it's a fine movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an interesting thing to talk about. But as Esther pointed out, and I thought this before you, I've thought this many times before, you, but uh, about period pieces is why it's a movie about all white people. You know, that's what I think when I saw that post. I go, all right, all these white people and Meryl Streep, who's a fine actress, gets a nomination every year. It's been 50 years since a Latino woman or Asian woman got nominated for an Oscar. And every year, Meryl Streep gets one for doing a fine job. But I'm like, there's no other actors out there. There's no other actresses out there. And I just, I feel like she I want. She needs to take a year off for making a film. <laughs> That's because when she was 19, she sucked Harvey Weinstein's dick. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's why she's defending him. Because he put a lot of trophies on it. When she, when that, she had a quote when the, when the Harvey Weinstein first came out. Now, maybe she's changed it. I haven't tracked her responses. But when it first came out, she sort of defended him. And, and, and so I was like, of course you're defending him because he gave you all these trophies. Again, I'm not taking anything away from her, but it just feels like it's just standard Hollywood Oscar white heroes, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it I, is. But I, I got to say, you know, just watching Tom Hanks on screen, I, I don't care what he's doing. Sure. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm so interested in what he's yeah. going to do because he's, he's just so compelling as an actor. He is, and it's uh, interesting. I, I get the sort of social relevance about, you know, there's all this stuff in the news now. Is the media fake? Is it bullshit? And, and here's also, the media doing a good thing of uncovering Vietnam. And a woman in control of the paper. A woman in control of the paper. That's that's all good. And what what this? It's an actual woman. These are actual people. She was a Bible teacher. This is the most, most appealing movie to me. Really? That I've, that I've seen out of all the movies that I, all the trailers that I watched mm -hmm. for the week. How so? Um, because it's a true story, so mm -hmm. I love that. And also, it's uh, I'm sure she comes out victorious in the end. So it's a women empowerment movie. Mm -hmm. So it's a feel-good movie. And I wrote on the high school newspaper when I was in high school. So that really jump-started my comedy career. That's all. Yeah. I mean, that all so that... So I relate to it. Yeah, all that stuff in there is, is, is valuable, and that's mm -hmm. good. And I see that, but I, sometimes I'm just like... We've talked about. You want to see more diverse stories? I really do because it's like, 
and that's the thing we've we've held the the Oscars, you know, and it's it, and I'm just I'm sorry, I'm kind of Meryl Streep. She's a fine actress, but every year she does a good job, and she there's other actors, especially if the Academy and the movie hey, industry. Hey, at least she only does one movie usually. Sure, yeah. but I mean, like every year, there's all these actresses out there of all different ethnicities doing amazing works that never get any recognition because Meryl Streep has her spot set <laughs> you know Listen, like and all the ethnic actresses in hollywood can't wait for her to die <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know like i'm sure on its own it's going to be a fine movie it's a true story it's women empowerment it's it's a journalist taking down the powerful it's but I, truth over politics sure it hits all the right beats all right and it hits all the right notes and it's just like I said, it, it just um, it's engineered sure. for the Oscars. And the media now, I don't trust any of them because they're all corporate. So it's, it'll be interesting to watch what journalism was actually journalism. <laughs> yeah, what's a newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> so um, on DVD and uh, Blu-ray, we have Atomic Blonde. Now, Atomic Blonde was a, was a decent film. I saw it. It, it had some really uh, cool action sequences. It wasn't perfect. But it was just really cool, um, to, again, female empowerment to see a female lead in an mm -hmm. action movie. I wonder if Blondie um, wanted to sue them because she has a song called Atomic. And as soon as I saw the poster for Atomic Blonde, I thought that they were making a movie about her. Well, it, you know, was set in the 80s. I'm yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's an 80s movie. And yeah. You know, every time I hear that song, I'm like, she must be pissed because it it it, yeah. it looks. Did like she talk about being a spy in Blondie. the song? No, <laughs> that's interesting. So, um, and you know, Charlize Theron, she's great as playing. I mean, yeah. from Mad Max, she's a great. Here's what I action really, hero. She's a badass. And here's what I really liked about it, uh, as far as the action went, like it it showed her as a spy. However, it didn't show her as like invulnerable. Like you know, she would get beat up and cut and punched and hurt and like when she took a punch she took a punch you know you, mm -hmm. you saw the results of it um but what i but it didn't it stop wasn't her makeup yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it like uh and that's what just made the action more um grounded and more um interesting was to was to see these fights that really looked real like there's a fight on the stairwell that you know a guy falls backwards onto a concrete stairwell and you're like i don't even if he's padded up, how did he not get hurt? Right. Like, like there's some really cool uh, stunts in it. So it's, um, like I said, it's not a perfect movie. There's definitely some um, um, flawed parts in the plotting, uh, but they you sell, know, watch they it. They sell foam staircases that look like concrete. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, what it's gotta be. That right? would make sense. I mean, I'm sure he was padded up, but still, just to to see that fall, you're even like, oh my god, that still must have hurt. So. Uh, but it was really um, uh, a fun and interesting action movie. So check it out. You know, don't don't stay for the plotting. Stay for the action. <laughs> um, Wind River. Now, this is a movie I really recommend. Um, it's uh, Jeremy Renner. And it. One of the Olsen twins, right? Yeah. And no, not the, no. the older sister. The Not one of the twins, but the older oh. sister. Um, but it takes place on a uh, an Indian reservation and it. It actually uh, covers a subject that I didn't realize, but um, there is like an inordinate number of uh, unsolved um, Native American women murders or missing. Like it's just, oh, wow. it's, it's it shows like how 
off. I mean, Native Americans still getting screwed over by the government. There's like this giant reservation and there's like it covers hundreds of square miles and there's like four cops. And um, and it's a really it's a really engaging story. And there's some really good supporting actors, some actors you haven't seen before uh, that are. And it but it's sh it's shedding a light on what's going on on a lot of reservations. There's a heavy drug problem. There's uh, the 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 reservation police are so limited in their powers like they have to get a fed out they have to do oh, all really? this stuff oh yeah it's it's brutal and so this is so focused it's like thunderheart <laughs> kind of chris <laughs> sure it's like thunderheart where they had a white guy playing an <laughs> yeah. indian and no, it pissed it's off like a dancing lot. with wolves sure yeah. those are the yeah. only ones it's yeah, all like you that. know if there's a crime you got to call Val right Kilmer. It's, it's right exactly it's like backdraft meets uh dancing with wolves <laughs> yes. that's exactly what it is uh, all right firewolves <laughs> firewolves but no it, it's it's first of all it's a solid movie it's well acted mm -hmm. um and it's not based on a true story but it is like like thunderheart was <laughs> yeah, where it sucks. No, goes. that was Thundercats. Yes. Thundercats. That's also a great Native American story. Uh, but no, it's it's based. It's not based on a true story. But this happens a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a it's a thing. There's some statistics that come out at the end of the movie. That's really like, um, you know, I didn't realize this. Taylor Sheridan wrote and directed it, um, and it's it's definitely worth worth seeing. Cool. So, and I I hope this movie gets some Oscar nominations mm -hmm. out of it and the other two movies are Bigsby Bear this looked like it was one of those uh, festival movies that was just kind of like a surreal story about a, um, a kid whose TV show gets canceled and he kind of tries to finish it later as an adult um, so it's like a weird kind of uh, surreal coming of age kind of story like even the trailer was a little confusing but in a good way like it really felt like it was kind of almost experimental in a way Mm -hmm. uh, like, like, what's the uh, what's the description for IMDb? Well, I just have Bigsby. Oh no, it's it's a different one. Bigsby Bear. All right, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but it also it, it has. Uh, I think Andy Samberg makes a cameo in it. Like, there's a, there's definitely some people in it. Oh, here it just it looks I don't know Bigsby. if I would call him a person. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, Bixby Bear Adventures is a children's TV show produced for an audience of one, James. When the show abruptly ends, James' life changes forever, and he sets out to finish the story. That right. sounds insane. Yeah, yeah. I know if you see what the trailer, it really for, looks weird. It's a show for one? There's one person in the audience? Or one person watches it? Well, that's like he's he's the one that really got hooked on it. Like, I guess. I'm not sure. Like, again, the trailer sheds no light on... Uh, <laughs> on the actual story or plot, so uh, it's definitely really weird, but in but in a good weird. Like it kind of made me want to see it, but not right away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go have some good weird. Yeah, Meanwhile, you know, you might it, be it, the one person who watched Murder on the Orient Express. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it was a movie made for you, Chris. <laughs> they said, let's make these wacky mustaches and accents yes. for Chris Mancini mm -hmm. and his wife, and uh, and we'll never get our money back ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> Uh, and the the other movie is a kids movie, The Nut Job Two: Nutty by Nature. Uh, I this surprises me that there was actually a sequel to this movie. The first one was god awful. Um, even 
like, you know, there's family movies and there's kids movies. This was definitely a kids movie. My kids both hated it. <laughs> the original one, it was so hey, bad. There's a lot of families with yeah. lower standards than Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. People. Yeah. So nut job two for those of you that really enjoyed the first one or your children did. Um, so and uh, the site spotlight fan feedback, the weekly film news. I will say we didn't get into it too much on the show. Um, as far as all the uh, extra creepy allegations that are coming out from Hollywood celebrities. But Neil goes into depth and detail on the How site. How about a so review on uh, I Love You, Daddy? <laughs> well, good luck finding that movie. <laughs> I don't even think we can get a screener copy now. What's I Love You, Daddy? Is that That's Louis, Louis C.K.'s movie, movie that got uh, pulled right before release. Ugh. I talked about that idiot on Twitter like over a year ago, calling him out. Mm-hmm. I fucking... Good for you. Uh, I mean, what makes it like I haven't seen the trailer or the movie, but um, I read about it. And like Chloe Moritz, she mm-hmm. must feel so creeped out because there's like oh, multiple yeah. scenes Ugh. where she's just in a bikini for no reason, apparently. And she's just dancing around Louis C.K. And well, you know, he like went straight to his hotel to jerk off to her. When I saw the trailer for the first time, I was like, God. He has no shame. Well, one, he has no shame. And two, Hollywood just rewards awful people. If you're awful, who cares? You you get to keep working. Well, the premise of like uh, this is before the allegations came out. So yeah. now I'm actually I'm love hearing that like came out mainstream. Although everybody knew, right? Everybody knew. Yeah, F- FX, everyone in comedy knew. FX eliminated their uh, deal with him. Good. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Like finally, like that's the thing. I'm so sick of this because we're sitting there. I watch another trailer and oh, there's wacky Mel Gibson. Oh, he still gets to work. Why do these assholes keep getting to work? And so I'm hoping that finally what they're doing to Louis C.K., what they're doing to Kevin Spacey, what they're doing to Harvey Weinstein, I hope fuck We're you. in a revolution. It I ju- know, I it know. It just happened to one of the showrunners. You know, we had Mark Guggenheim in here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's three showrunners that run those shows. Um, Guggenheim, uh, Kreisberg, and Berlanti. Kreisberg just got let go for all of these sexual allegations with, with I'm telling you, stuff. like, we need mm-hmm. to purge everything. Mm-hmm. Like... There'll be four people left in Hollywood. Well, that's not to know. I'm not just talking about Hollywood. Oh, no, There's a I lot know. of people. I mean, like, let's, yeah, let's it, be honest here. Like, It happens everywhere. Let's be clear. It's not just a Hollywood and what, problem. What, what would you say to an attorney, like, when, when several women make accusations about against a man, right? And then there's an attorney that job is to discredit these women, mm-hmm. right? That's a pretty awful person, maybe, mm-hmm. right? That's what Hillary Clinton did for her husband in the 80s. Are we going to hold her fucking accountable? Bill Clinton got a fucking free pass, man. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, like, let's hold everyone accountable. I, I'm, I'm like, why did he get off the hook? <laughs> I mean, like, well he, well, he did almost get impeached. Oh, all right. Is he, oh, okay. Still, they're still flying around in private jets. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, that, like, no, that's ended. Fucking take them all down, man. Everyone needs to. Everyone. Well, it, like, it's weird. Like in politics, that normally is what takes you down pretty quickly. Like, not any, anymore. Any type of not psych- anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like in a sexual scandal, but now it's like, wait a minute. Now you can be president, and still, <laughs> and it, it doesn't. Uh, you can, it doesn't hurt you. No, but I think uh, that's why we're coming down so hard on these guys because like that the might be part of it, right? Is just no good, and it's like having like a substitute teacher for four years, and we're like, you know what? We're gonna run this shit ourselves, and uh, I, we're gonna take it out on everybody else who deserves it. Interestingly, <laughs> Louis C.K.'s daughters are writing a movie called "I Hate You, Daddy." 
Good. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but the uh, if you if you look it up, the premise of the movie it's is really creepy. creepy no, as shit. It's like it's a, a 17 year old girl falls in love with a 60 year old man. But yeah, but it's like it's it's Louis C.K.'s daughter, and the man she, like she like starts dating is like John Malkovich or something like that. Like it's like you just you you, you go oh my god. Like these allegations couldn't have come at a better time. Like I know. Prevent this guy from making millions of dollars off of this movie. Yeah, I know. And, although you know. Woody Allen's movies are still available, <laughs> so you wonder yeah. like uh, what the That's litmus test the is. That's because the victim was Korean, and Koreans aren't real people. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, nobody <laughs> cares about what happens Koreans to Korean aren't orphans. Real people. <laughs> Koreans are real people. Nobody cares Male about comics what's going aren't real men. In, in Female North comics Korea. aren't real fe- yeah. Fe- women. Yeah, there's a lot of truth being dropped down. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, man. I, I, I yeah, I, I can't. And I hope people are finally like not supporting this. Like, I'll talk about. All, I mean, let's talk about all of it. Let's talk about because absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's mostly a patriarchy. It's mostly men abusing power absolutely, and they should all be fucking held seriously accountable. I'm but, waiting for that next shoe to drop where it's a uh, like we talked about this. I think on political vigilante where mm-hmm. the next one like what if it's Meryl Streep is the next one? It's <laughs> just like making interns naked eat ice cream in front of her like something <laughs> really creepy something and weird humiliating. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just awful like on their knees eating yeah. ice cream i know how about a man paying a woman what she's worth that's humiliating. oh it's yeah. disgusting how can you say that on the air yeah <laughs> the two women for for um the two producers for last comic standing when i did it were women and they hired Norm MacDonald to be a fucking asshole to people. He made female comics cry on the air and they pretended like, oh, what happened? They hired him and told him to say this. I saw it. <laughs> you were there. I was there. You I were saw there. it, yeah. And he was, he was paid to humiliate and say shitty things to all the comics and he made a couple female comics cry on the episode I was on. Mm-hmm. He said shit to me and internally I was like, I played it off joke joke, but I wanted to punch him fucking in the face. Right. And then the two, the Paige Hurwitz and Wanda Sykes, the EPs were like, oh, we don't know what happened. Really? 13 episodes of Norm MacDonald being this to everybody? You don't know what happened? You know, Norm just was, oh, we can't control Norm MacDonald? Or you hired him and said, hey, Norm, be the Simon Cowell on the show and be a fucking asshole to people. When Barbara Holm walked off stage in tears because Norm MacDonald insulted her, did anyone rise up and go, who are the fucking Norm MacDonald, fuck you, and these two women, fuck you? Did anyone say well, that? I mean, that's different. Like, you're allowed to say whatever you want. I didn't watch it, so I don't know. But, you know, it's not like. It's not the same as you're right. It's, it's not, not the, the same, same as, as sexual as harassment. A, you right. know, being a sexual predator. Sure, it's not mm. the same. But it is people abusing power. I mean, it is it is that show business thing of, well, I'm in power. I can do whatever I mean, the fuck I want. I mean, that's the risk you take when you get on Last Comic Standing. That sure. You might be, you of know, course. humiliated. Of course. And producers lie. Producers oh, will lie to your face, especially on a reality show. <laughs> of course, they're gonna. Of course I mean, gonna any do that. reality show like that you go on, you're taking a huge risk. Like it doesn't matter what you say or do; it depends on the editing room what role they decide you're going to be, of course, and what role you're going to play. Of they'll, course, they'll figure that out for you. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I'm just uh, fuck these guys that have done this, and Casey Affleck and his brother and Matt Damon for pretending like he didn't know. And, you know, read all about it in detail at ComedyFilmNerds.com. Neil <laughs> goes into it in detail, although we'll be talking about it probably on uh, the Patreon episode that we'll be doing. Okay. So uh, we'll get into more detail as well. What do well. you guys think? People are just made of money? Yeah. <laughs> this Patreon plug. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. We hope uh, they are. So, all right. This is it. Premiering this week, Justice League. It's finally here. 
Um, you know what I'm noticing Are we in the that trailers too. For it? Well, well um, do you want to see this? Honestly, I'm not that excited about. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, even with the new trailers and Joss Whedon's involvement, it still hasn't got me to the point where I'm kind of excited about it. The other thing I'm noticing with the trailers is Superman still hasn't been revealed yet. So it makes me think in this entire movie, he literally comes in in the last act for the last fight. Like that's when you'll see Superman. Well, they say that most of this this particular movie's plot is driven by Wonder Woman and and Batman, I believe. So are they fucking now or something? I don't know, but I love Gail Godot and Wonder Woman. So mm-hmm. I, I if this is like taking her character to the next level and flushing it out even more. I mean, her character was really great in the film. It'd be nice, yeah. But so if it's more, if it's focused a lot about her, I'd like that's it. Unlikely. Ben Affleck's Batman, uh, I'm not a fan of. I, so. I, honestly, that's unlikely because there's so many people in this movie. When you have an ensemble cast, there's not that time that they devote to the characters to do the extra development. It's like, no, we got to still, we get, we need time to introduce Aquaman and introduce the Flash and introduce Cyborg. So, mm-hmm. so I think uh, Gal Gadot might get, you know, shortchanged a little bit in that department. Uh, but I don't know. I, I the really trailers look good, but I, I can't be tricked by DC again. So, you know, the, the, here's the thing about it. DC and and uh, Warner Brothers, they're going to get our money anyway. We're going to go see this movie. We're going to do a spoiler app on it. So really, uh, they've already won. <laughs> We're, I have to see this. We're going to talk about yes. this. Yeah, we have to. I don't want to be spoiler. So <laughs> I don't want to see it. I think we've already booked somebody for the spoiler. <laughs> uh, we committed to it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but it won't be next week because we'll be on vacation. It's for Thanksgiving. Uh, next week, the ATC uh, festival episode will drop. Yes, that we just talked. We interviewed Mike Young, and we talked about movies that slipped through the cracks. And we also talked about, uh, you know, your humble beginnings and scamming people in college, <laughs> <laughs> being a cheap little grifter <laughs> in college. Yeah. So uh, we worked at the football stadium. Yeah. There's a little. Stuff. There's a little preview. Uh, the next Mike <laughs> and I were both <laughs> fucking criminals. Uh, the <laughs> we next movie criminals. coming out um, is Wonder. This is a based on a young adult novel about a uh, a boy with a deformed face. And uh, my daughter actually really liked this book, so the the book is definitely well loved and well received. Uh, so I don't know how the movie's going to be. It looks really interesting, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like a modern mask. Yeah, mm-hmm. Stephen Chablowski, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Chablowski. is the, he was one of the writers on it, um, of this of the adaptation. Because as you said, mm-hmm. it said it's a book. Uh, he is the director of the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm-hmm. So, so it could be good. Yeah. Uh, the next it looks one interesting. The kid, the kid. He looks like he does a good job. Yeah. yeah. The next movie is Roman J. Israel Esquire. This is the. Um, uh, Denzel Washington film, where he plays a lawyer who gets in over his head, and uh, he uh, makes a few mistakes, which I kind of like. But again, the trailer. There's two trailers. Ca- okay, well, the one I saw, you know, showed me probably the first 40 minutes of the film. That's the first trailer that came out, and mm-hmm. that came out, and I was like, well, and it sort of shells that trailer is like, oh, he looks like he helps some gangsters out, and then they. They're, they're coming to get him now right. or something like uh-huh. that. And now this new one changes the timeline. The new one is like he helped these guys out a long time ago, and now it's years down the road and they're oh, getting really? out. Yeah, the new one is like shows it as a completely different movie. Oh, the wow. new one looks a little more 
Sounds like the is trailer that the strategy guy got now? fired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that the strategy now to two completely different trailers for films? To sh- confuse <laughs> the audience. Yeah. If it's the first trailer, I don't know that I want to see it. Mm-hmm. The second one, I was like, well, this movie looks good. So I don't know what I'm going in to see. Although I like I like Denzel Washington playing a crazy big fro lawyer. Right. There's your Chicago accent. Washington. Why? Wow, yeah, it's so, it's so <laughs> Comes out occasionally. You don't have much of one. Yeah, because. You suppressed it? I uh, got rid of it a long time ago. Oh, mm-hmm. mine comes out. Uh, so Mudbound is the other movie. Now this is the um, race slash coming home from the war. Coming home from the war movie. Which uh, war? Based on uh, World, World War II, II and it's uh, Heard about it's that the story one. of two <laughs> <laughs> two families, I believe, and uh, how they cope with coming home and all the stuff they have to deal with. It's interesting. It's directed by uh, Dee Rees. She has done a lot of TV. Uh, she directed the feature Pariah. Uh, a bunch of shorts and she's Pariah done Carey? <laughs> yeah, she's done that. Uh, she did uh, she di- she's directed some episodes of Empire okay. and When We Rise. I mean I, I this movie looks it interesting looks good, to me. Yeah. It looks interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's like it's a it's a World War 2 or or coming home from World War 2 story that I don't think we've seen before. Right. So What's that, the story? It's basically there's there's it's in the rural south and there's a, either one or two uh, black men that have come home that fought in the war and now they're getting treated shitty back in this country that they just fought for and it's a lot of it seems almost like a, it, it, it infuses race and class struggle and it looks interesting to me let me read the, the description for you two men return home from World War II to work on a farm in rural Mississippi where they struggle to deal with racism and adjusting to life after war yeah yeah, I think one guy's white and one guy's black, and they right. they deal with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks really interesting to me. All right. Well, guess what? That's all the movies to talk Jesus about. Jesus Christ, we, we did a lot of movies oh today. God, everyone's so many. Everyone's movies. exhausted. What the fuck? I read, read a lot of a lot of movies, a lot of movie business, a lot of race issues. We talked about. <laughs> got, got a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry if I politically hijacked the show. <laughs> I do that too much. You get you get those rants occasionally. I get those rants. I'm sorry. I get let's go. That's why I have a YouTube channel so I don't hijack this show. I'll just keep it movies, movie, movie, and then you can listen to me yell. Yeah. On the other show. Sometimes they bleed into each other. They uh, especially. Well, I reference movies on my political vigilante show all the time. Right. Which I tell people, and I I reference actually I I one of the this woman that that watches my show was so glad that I recommended. Um, I'm not your Negro. She's like, I didn't know. She's from Australia. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I didn't know anything about James Baldwin. I didn't know anything about him or the history. She vaguely knew about the history of, of America in the 60s and 70s. But she goes, that movie was was really great. Oh, cool. Um, so check that out. <laughs> <laughs> You've never seen it. I'll look into it. Oh, it's a fantastic documentary. If you like documentaries, yeah. it's fantastic. It was one of the ones that was nominated. It came out last year. It's great. And it is so, what he went through in the 60s and 70s, it obviously is so relevant to today. And the filmmaker even puts in some footage of stuff that's happened today. It's a great, it's a great documentary. Oh, by the way, that guy Lance Lester, I don't know, like there's some um, collages where he had like swastikas. <sighs> so <laughs> it's like they laud him as this like artist hero. But at some point you're just like, but is he a neo-Nazi? Mm. Is he just commenting? And who, who's buying those? <laughs> well, is he commenting on like racism in America and he's showing the 
Like well, he showed some of his like childhood. Or did he sign it with his it? childhood? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's his logo. Yeah. <laughs> then we have an issue if he's like, "Oh, there's racists in America, and I want to show it in an artistic." Mm-hmm. So he was then, talking or... about like, yeah, when I was a little boy, I would like you know draw pictures of World War II, but I didn't really understand what it was. And then you see like little swastikas in his little like kids workbook that he worked on when he was a kid. Well, that doesn't make me because I. No, but then it bleeds into his adult work. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. red flag. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not really addressed, you know, because they, it's probably one of those open secrets. Weird. Well, now I'm intrigued about this guy. Mm. Um, Esther Koo, thanks for being on the show. Where can people find you on the internet, live shows? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm going to be in Modesto, California at the Gallo Center for the Arts this Friday, November 17th. On November 25th, I'll be- Who's on that show again, the 17th? Shantae Waynes and April Macy. April Macy we've had on the show. Hmm. And yay. And then November 25th, Thanksgiving weekend, I'll be in Miami at the uh, Magic City Casino. Oh, nice. So you can find me online at Esther Cuckoo on Twitter. Esther Cuckoo. And my podcast called Coo in the Gang. Nice. Great. We can um, talk about poop and therapy. <laughs> 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 Among other things. <laughs> poop and therapy. Um- I am doing the show after party this Friday the seventeenth. Um, it's a really cool show where you kind of um, it's you tell a story. It's at the open space on four fifty seven North Fairfax. It's November seventeenth at uh, eight p.m. It's called the after party live show, where you sort of read. Yeah, you read stories about, I think it's for people that don't drink anymore, and you read stories about what happened. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to hear that? (laughs) No, but I think everybody reads, like, when I used to drink stories, so Mm -hmm. those are actually fantastic. Mine involved jail and marriage. Nice. Um, In that order? Aren't those synonymous? (laughs) Yes, actually, in that order. That's on the 17th. And I'm doing Laura House's um, show November 25th at the Lab at the Hollywood Improv. That's a 7 o'clock show. So uh, check that out. I actually put those links on my website, grandmello.com. And then um, I can announce this now. I'm going to be directing this stand-up comedy show uh, on the FNX, the First Nation Network, which is a network for world indigenous people. We're doing a stand-up comedy show. It's called FNX? Yep. And everyone goes, oh, FX? I go, no, not that big. The smaller, the one you've never heard you of. You say the N <laughs> under your breath. Really quickly. It's on FX. F- FNX? Yeah. FNX? <laughs> FNX? I'm on FNX? Um, yeah. They're not going to get sued. There, there's a lot of room on FX now <laughs> for, uh, for another producer. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're going <laughs> to run right out and hire a white guy on FX. Um, but no, FNX is the network. It's a stand-up comedy show. There's going to be five comics. Um, I'm directing, producing it, and I'm the MC. And uh, there's going to be a lot of amazing comics, some you haven't heard of. Um, so we start shooting that December 17th. It's going to be at this theater out uh, in San Bernardino. And as we have the ticketing and all that up, I will put that up on the website. And then we can start shooting a bunch of Sundays in a row starting January 14th. But I'll release more information like that. So just go to GrahamElwood.com and I'll have those dates up. Very cool. soon. And uh, the new episode of Conversations from the Abyss will drop uh, on the 15th, which is probably which is tomorrow. So that is called Actors, and I borrowed Hal Lublin and Mark Agliardi from Thrilling Adventure Hour, about two actors who slowly lose their identity in their roles, and another cameo by Graham Elwood in mm. this uh, in this I've one heard as of that well. Guy. Yeah, and uh, he's all right. It's it's uh, it's it's funny the. Uh, 
uh, people are realizing that you're doing a lot of secondary voices in the uh, podcast. So I actually got a, uh, a tweet that made me laugh. He goes, so Kevin went into the basement and saw visions, and then he got a job as a helicopter reporter. <laughs> Kevin went through a big life change. Yeah. You know what I mean? They went through a big life change, and it's that thing we talked about. You know, you were going to be, you were going to go to med school, then you started cutting up right. uh, things for your thing. So uh, please check that out. That is uh, dropping on uh, the 15th. So, all right. That's our show, everybody. Yeah, that is our show. Thank you, Aaron Brungart, uh, here at the ATC studio and everybody here at the ATC. Guys, please go uh, like and hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel and all the free ways you can support the show, the positive reviews and sharing this stuff and all that on the social media is fantastic. Um, thank you, Esther Koo, for being on our show. Thanks for having me. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han shot first. And don't be a creep. <laughs> Have an next.